Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the simplified prospectus before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. The well-respected man about town the best thing so This is Money with Joe Bowen. Now here's your host, Peter Shad. Welcome to Money with Joe Bowen, starring Joe Bowen of Hollis Wealth. Nothing makes Joe happier than daylight savings time and the dawn of spring. And here we are, right in the middle of it. Love it. Hey, hey remember when the sun on December 16th was setting at 4.14 p.m.? because <laughs> you reminded you remember us. That? Well, you reminded us every every show. Probably. I do remind you all the time. <laughs> and uh, and the weather was bad, and it was dark, and it was cloudy, and it's rainy, so it didn't really get dark at 4.14. It was pretty much dark all day, but really dark by 3.30. Well, now here we are. You can sit on your back deck on a clear day, and at 7.30 at night, there's still sunshine, and you can still run your leaf blower. And the ironic <laughs> thing is, in the winter... When the sun sets at 4.14, if you pull out a leaf blower at 7 at night, your neighbors are like, what the hell's the matter with you? It's nighttime. People are sleeping. It's 7 o'clock, my friend. In the summer, on June 20th, when the sun doesn't set till 10 o'clock at night, if I run a leaf blower at 8.30, you don't care. But because it's dark, you suddenly... Mm. It's funny how people psychologically... It's like a flight of stairs will keep you from doing things in your house just because you don't feel like walking up them. Well, I know that uh, there'll be one or two people listening to this right now going, oh, he's a leaf blower guy. <laughs> I have the little handheld one. Yeah. And, uh, you and just I blow them all over to the neighbor's house. Yeah, the exactly. No, I only use it a little bit like for the driveway. When I have a mass area where I have to push stuff all up against something to clear it, I can't be sitting there with a push room for 45 minutes. Yeah. I already work 12 hours a day. I don't have time for that. So I'll blow all my stuff up against the garage door and then pick it all up and put it in a bag. It only takes all of two minutes. While optimism is here, so are cherry blossoms. Now, with the daylight savings time and spring break, my kids are up till, oh, I don't know, 11.30, midnight, going crazy. Cats going <laughs> nuts, spring fever. It's uh, it's a bit restless at times, but we're adjusting. And on this program today, because you've been inundated uh, with business all of a sudden, and you know, one of the things people keep asking is, what's the smart thing to do investment-wise? You have a litany of ways of helping people grow their money or preserve their money or whatever it is they want to do with their money. It depends on what kind of stage of life you're in. But why do you like, why do you trust and have such a, a go-to with dividend funds, for example? Well, in general, there are a lot of things that I do for clients. Uh, if a client is absolutely insistent on GICs in spite of making no money, I will do that for them. Uh, if a client needs to do estate planning and we need to use segregated investments through insurance companies, I will do that for them. If a client only wants to see me for critical illness insurance or life insurance, I will do that for them as well. But if a client wants to invest their money and they want to be in the stock market, um, one of the best ways to access investments in the stock market is through uh, mutually managed investments called mutual funds. And I've had a lot of emails sent to me, why don't you talk about them more and explain them more extensively? Uh, so I thought it would be a good idea to maybe get into that for the next couple of weeks. Maybe we talk about them at length. Do, do a little special. Do a little, do a little special. in-depth expose. A little in-depth expose, exactly. Because I don't normally talk much about anything specific because the, the idea here is that 
This show is about flying at 40,000 feet and looking at the big picture and giving you a general understanding of things and uh, maybe throwing some tidbits of education out there. But it wasn't supposed to be about, we weren't supposed to be like focusing on specific products all the time. But let's talk about them today. Sure, because there is a strange and uh, unwarranted Sometimes negativity surrounding mutual funds. I remember asking, uh, you know, somebody else who's also in the same field that you're in, and do you do you use mutual funds? Ah, they don't make you any money. Yeah. Well, the wrong ones certainly don't make you any money, but the the really good ones, the ones that you deal with, and again, because you're an open broker, you have the choice of selection. You get to mm-hmm. look around, and of course, you're always looking around. Yeah. And those people that say I want my money in GICs, they could be easily persuaded when you show them on paper the difference. Yeah. Between what you're doing. So let's go into depth. And yeah. let's start with dividend funds because it is your go-to. You love the dividend funds. I do. I love big blue chip global equity funds. Uh, global is the way to go these days, it seems. Um, you can't really... I mean, for years you were able to really focus on Canada and buy your dividend funds in Canada. Now I think it's better to start diversifying and really have yourself spread around the world a little bit more. United States, some of Europe, depending on where the good companies are. Uh, at the end of the day, you want to invest in big blue chip companies that are paying out dividends to shareholders. And dividends are essentially this. When you have shares in a company that pays dividends, what they're doing is they're taking their profit, they're taking the cash that's left over, and they're making a decision. Hey, do we invest this cash in buying more equipment for the factory, giving raises to the employees to make them more productive? Uh, do we use this cash to further expand our operations? Or do we take some of this profit that we don't need for any of those reasons right now, the overflowing excess, and pay it out to our shareholders as a dividend, as an income? Hey, here's your share of the profits this month or this quarter or this year. And so as a shareholder, um, you, when you're receiving dividends from a company, a company has to have cash to pay dividends. So they have to essentially have made or be making uh money to be able to pay out a dividend. So you've kind of, when you buy dividend um, shares, you've kind of filtered the market a little bit where you've removed a lot of companies that aren't making any money ever and they haven't been for years uh, to companies generally that are making money so they have the cash to pay the dividend in the first place. so, and what a dividend uh, is, is, is your share of the investment or the earnings in the company, but the company has already paid some tax on those earnings. So when they pay you the dividend, uh, you may not do your own taxes, but your accountant will know this, or your tax preparer should know this. Um, you don't pay tax on the full dividend. You, you get something from our, from our uh, CRA uh, called the dividend tax credit that gets credited against the dividend you earned. So you pay very little tax on your dividends. They're, they're quite similar to a capital gain, how much tax you pay on a capital gain, which is also very tax preferred. Mm. So there's major advantages. And then there's the reinvestment which we should talk about too, because you know there are a couple of things you could do, you know, and, and if you're one of those people that, and Joe has a lot of them, where you are investing either maybe weekly or bi-monthly or monthly, um, those dividends come in, you could buy yourself more shares maybe instead of even taking that money, just keep buying more and more and more and more and accumulating. Yeah, and when you have a mutual fund full of dividend stocks, um, the stocks are paying out dividends, uh, they're spitting them out into your account and you can either have those dividends paid out to you in cash or have them reinvested in the mutual fund. And when they're reinvested in the fund, they're buying more shares of the fund. So it's, we call that a drip, a dividend reinvestment plan 
Well, it also works in a similar way to a PAC, a pre-authorized checking plan where you put money in every month. Uh, and we call that... Uh, dollar, dollar cost, cost averaging. averaging. Sorry, a little so, slow. So those dividends are being paid into that account and they're buying shares. Now, if the market is down and the share price and the stocks in the in the mutual fund is down, the dividend being paid in is buying more shares of stocks while they're on sale, while they're cheap. Uh, so this is uh, a method that we use to create compound growth on an investment and to take advantage of down markets so that it's actually a good thing when the market goes down. Let's go into a little more depth on that and maybe give some examples because dollar cost averaging is the best way to accumulate and you don't even notice it's happening when it is. And we'll discuss that and much more on our little special edition of Money with Joe Bowen starring... Mutual funds here today. Joe's telephone number 604-603-2336, 604-603-2336, or joebowen, B-O-W-E-N dot C-A. Talk to Joe Bowen about guaranteed income for life at 604-603-2336. This episode of Money with Joe Bowen is sponsored in part by Fidelity Investments. The well-respected man about town you're listening to money with joe bowen once again here is peter shad joe bowen is here from hollis wealth this is money with joe bowen and today we're doing a little in-depth expose on mutual funds we were talking about dividend funds previously and you alluded at the end to dollar cost averaging and why it's such a preferred way of going. And the reason is you then take advantage of dips and valleys in the market. It's like buying things on sale and accumulating more with the same amount of money every month. Yeah, and you know, it's really, I, I've been harping on this for years. And uh, I'm sorry, maybe you've heard me say this before, but um, a down market is a really, really good thing. Uh, the market we went through last year was highly beneficial to my younger saving clients. And I know I have a lot of clients who are retired, but um, the clients even in their 50s and early 60s, or maybe clients in their 70s or 80s that have accounts they're not drawing on, that was a really good period of time. And if they were holding stocks that were paying out dividends, those dividends were paying out right back into the same account and buying more shares. Now, do you want your dividends paying out of a stock that's $100 a share and buying more shares at 100 Or do you want your dividends paying into a stock that's dropped to $81 a share and buy even more shares each time the dividend pays out? That's what you want. And it's just like when you save monthly. It's We call that dollar cost averaging. You have the same amount or a similar amount of money on a regular basis or a, or a fairly frequent basis that is paying into, say, your mutual fund account and buying shares on a regular basis. That's dollar cost averaging. So if you have, say, $1,000 a month going into your investment account, and if you're an RSP saver and every year you do an RSP loan at the end of the year, uh, if you were my client, I would convince you to get out of that cycle and stop paying that interest to an institution for no good reason whatsoever and get yourself into that monthly savings habit so that doesn't happen to you anymore. You don't want to be buying every year when everybody's buying, if you can avoid it. Not that this always turns out to be a good or bad move, I'm just saying. Mm. Uh, but dollar cost averaging. So say you're putting your 1000 bucks a month away or 1500 a month for your RSP. Now... That $1,000 a month is going in, and if, you've, if you have a portfolio of mutual funds, which is what our topic is today, how they benefit from that is that the funds are going up and down in value. So 
If in March, your mutual fund share, which is a share that consists of a whole bunch of stocks inside that fund or bonds or both, uh, but let's say it's stocks, um, the shares might be down like last year from April all the way through until the end of January. Well, part of February this year uh, was a down market, especially January. Wow, what a month. Awful month. Um, But it was a great month. Mm. It was a great month. And when you can get your head around this and have the attitude to see it for what it is, you will become one of those people that is smiling when everyone else is sad. Because when the market is down, you'll be going, clapping your hands together and rubbing them. Boy, oh boy, I'm going to get way more shares this month for my $1,000. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to call Joe. I have an extra five grand sitting over here in, a, in, an, in an interest account paying me 0.4%. I think I'm going to throw some of that in too this month and next month and the next month and really try to take advantage of this down market. Boy, oh boy, what an opportunity. That's the attitude you want to have. You just have to avoid the zealots who are saying this is it, this is the end. You know, that's you just have to stay off the alternative news websites, otherwise, because they love preying on that. Uh, like January, some of the stories coming out in January were just extraordinary. Yeah, you know. And then the question with lump sums, because many people do have cash sitting on the sidelines, or they've come into money. If you had a, a, a big pile of cash. Would you encourage people to slowly drip that in over time? Would you say maybe go half of it and put it all into that? How would you, I mean, everybody's different, but what are some of the philosophies about, you know, large lump sums of money? Well, it depends on the era we're in or what period in the market we're in. Um, If we're in a market that's on a decline and you can, it's really obvious that it's going to be some time before there's any sort of turnaround I might use a market entry strategy where we spend three months, six months, whatever, buying back into the market. I call that a market entry strategy because it is made and specifically designed to take advantage of that bottom because you don't know what day the actual bottom is. But back in late January and early February, I was noticing that the, and I'm, again, we're trying to do a special here that that kind of focuses on mutual funds. So I'm going to use them as an example. I was mo- noticing that the mutual funds, because the market had gone down so low, had really become very much a value opportunity. Uh, the kind of thing Warren Buffett would be standing there and he'd be clapping his hands together and rubbing them when he sees the opportunity. Everyone was running away from their investments. People were liquidating their investments en masse. And uh, there were trillions of dollars on the sidelines. And public investments, investor sentiment was at almost an all-time low. Then I knew it's time. <laughs> yeah. It's time, it's time, it's time. And like you said, all the news, everything was all doom and gloom. The end is near. Yeah. Uh, the end is nigh. You know, and the guy out on the street with his tattered <laughs> clothes and his red glowing eyes. And, uh, and I encouraged several clients, several million dollars worth of new clients who had come to me during that period, get in, get in now. And I was talking about it on here. If you go back and listen to some of my past shows from that period, I was saying it's a good time. And sure, those people have cleaned up the last little while. Like they've really done very, very well. They're very happy. And so you might actually, for some of them, if things go really well, you might actually take a little bit of that and park it on the side for a while. Everybody's different, of course. Mm-hmm. But then within a dividend fund too, and this is something that we should probably talk about is is uh, the, the issue of diversity, you know, because... Within mutual funds, one of the big advantages of them is that you don't have to manage them. And I remember thinking, well, why, why couldn't I just go and look at the holdings in this mutual fund and I'll just buy those if this is such a good mutual fund? But the, right. the fact is there's a team usually of really, really good people, at least the, the funds that you deal with. Yeah, not usually, sometimes. Yes. 
Now, there are closet indexers amongst the mutual funds in Canada, and I'll explain what... Do we have time to explain yes, what that do. means? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So the index is essentially like the TSX, for instance, or the Dow, or the S&P 500. These are all what we call indexes. Perhaps you've heard of them. Let's use the TSX as an example. The TSX, what they do is they take, like, say the TSX 60, they take the top 60 biggest companies in Canada, the biggest, not the best, not the highest quality, just the biggest. But they have not, they don't have much choice. They kind of, they don't want to have it, somebody using their discretion to pick which company. So they just take the 60 biggest. So they take the 60 biggest. And if one of those companies, um, if you add up all the value of all those companies in one big pile, and one of those companies represents 10% of that pile, they are 10% of the index, mm. and so on. Through all the companies, they all have their different weightings in that index. And as all their share values go up and down, the index goes up and down, uh, and it's proportionate to the company's size and their portion of that index. So anyway, that's an index. Some of the mutual funds in Canada, a lot of them, unfortunately, and I mean a lot, uh, there are thousands, over 10,000 funds in Canada. A lot of them, all they are is just indexers. Mm. These guys are not managing your money, these men and women. They're not managing it. They're not making any effort. They're just basically buying the index, and you could get that through an ETF. Yeah. And, I would ex- and I would encourage you, if you're just going to resign yourself to some crappy mutual funds, just go buy ETFs. Mm. Uh, you're, you're not going to be any worse off, honestly. Yeah, and that's not what you deal with, though. No, you, but you, I don't. And that's the thing. This is a lot of the funds, but there are a lot of really good funds, too, and really good managers who are highly active, who do not at all um, index, closet index managers. They actually have a team of financial analysts. They research all the companies. They boil it down to the best companies that they think are right for your portfolio at that time. And someone like yourself, Peter, might say again, like you said earlier, oh, well, why don't I just buy what they're buying? Mm. Well, the problem is every day they're buying and selling. Mm. Every hour they're buying and selling. Yeah. You will never find a broker or anyone who will manage your money as actively as a really good, high-quality fund management team. But the fact that I've only found about 100 funds I really like out of over 10,000 is the reason that most people... People have had bad experiences because they've been shoved into a lot of those others through their big financial institution, giving them their own in-house garbage, and that's what they get stuck with. And I mean, if you don't make the effort, you're not going to make the money. His name is Joe Bowen, and we're talking mutual funds on today's edition of Money with Joe Bowen. Joe's telephone number as an independent advisor, 604-603-2336. Objective advice, that's what we all deserve, and we deserve better when it comes to advice about our money. 604-603-2336 or joebowen.ca. Talk to Joe Bowen about guaranteed income for life at 604-603-2336. The well-respected man about town Doing the best thing so conservatively You're listening to Money with Joe Bowen. Once again, here is Peter Shad. Welcome back. Money with Joe Bowen is here. It's Saturday evening. It's springtime. It's daylight savings. Optimism and cherry blossoms bursting everywhere. <laughs> and uh, and houses getting torn down everywhere, too. It's still just going crazy all over the place. People are maybe downsizing now or thinking about downsizing, getting while the getting's good. I mean, this is a great time of year if you're selling your home. I'm not sure if it's going to keep up to what's been happening over the last few months. But here's a time when maybe you say, you know, this big house, the kids are gone. You know, we live in a nice neighborhood, yes, but wouldn't it be nice to be somewhere a little bit smaller, less maintenance, have a big pile of money, 
to sit and work with and then go stroll the seawall every single day if we want to or go for coffee or go out with our friends or go for little visits or little vacations. And this is where Joe comes in and planning and replanning and running numbers. But in the mutual fund context, Joe, all of a sudden you have downsized. Now there's this big pile of money. What do you need to consider when it goes uh, when it comes to entering the market and also diversifying, which is really important. We touched on it a little bit, but, but you know, talk us through that because that's happening a lot right now. These these big lump sums from downsizing. Well, and if you want to get well, the getting's good from an exotic foreigner from the the exotic foreign land of China, and you want them to buy your house for a ridiculous $4 million price, even though you know full well it should only be worth one and a half, now's the time. <laughs> uh, but if if you're going to do that, and because our government, we all know, they have no political will whatsoever to change the problem that's going on in the city. They're still pretending they're denying the problem. Let me tell you something. I, sorry, Peter, got to get off track here, because this is something that upsets me a lot. I have been going to a lot of open houses the last few months. I am the only non-Asian at pretty much every single open house. And now you get these lying people on the radio and on television, and I say lying because they are lying through their teeth when they say, well, we don't know that they're actually foreign buyers. Maybe they're locals. <laughs> oh, so um, we don't know why this anomaly is happening, but only Asian Vancouverites and Canadians are buying houses right now but not East Indian, Iranian, uh, European, or anyone else. Just the Asians suddenly for no reason at all. I don't know what it is. It's something in the water. Who knows? Come on. We all know what's going on here. Let's stop denying it. Anyway, so if you do sell the house, sorry for the tangent. (laughs) My passion gets the better of me. Uh, if, If you do sell into this market and and it might not last forever so you really have to be quite aware of the opportunity that is before you right now uh if you do what do you do with the cash afterwards and and today we're doing a special deliberately trying to explain what mutual funds are why they specifically can be beneficial because there's a few hours before we come on the air there are some parasitic nitwits who talk about uh, everybody in my industry is trying to take advantage of you and we're all in cahoots and we're trying to steal your money Mm. and there's a big conspiracy. Don't ever give a large group of people enough credit to think that they can all keep their mouth shut and follow a conspiracy. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) Anyway, if you have this money and you want to buy into the market and you want to have your money managed well and you can't afford to hire the best broker in the world who only has you and 12 other people as clients because you don't have the $50 million to qualify, the way to qualify for top management is to buy into really, really high-quality mutual funds. And, uh, and, and when you do, though... One of the things you have to be careful of is that you actually are hiring a broker who is an open broker. And I don't mean a stock broker. I just mean a broker uh, who can sell you those funds, who is not beholden to any one company. Not captive. Not captive. Yeah. Someone whose company name is not the name of one of the funds that you'll be sold. Mm. Uh Someone who will look at the market objectively and build a portfolio uh, from several companies, possibly, uh, you know, like the big ones, like Fidelity. Fidelity manages $2 trillion worth of investors' money around the world. Right. Uh, You know, these big companies, Fidelity, AGF, Manulife, Dynamic, you know, all these big companies manage, they have some of the best managers in the world. They're not the only ones, but uh, as an example. And... So you want to diversify sometimes by company. If you are buying in your institution, 
uh, and 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 that's where you do your day to day deposits and your mortgage and whatever else you have there. Uh, if they're selling you their in house products, they have basically slapped you across the face, shoved you in another room like a child, and rubbed their hands together and said, "Now we've got them in our stuff, which means we make bigger profits." Forget about what's best for them, and we know there's better stuff out there, but they're now stuck in our stuff. And you're what's called a captive client. You are a person who is a fence has been built around you, and you couldn't care less. And you just, ah, I can't be bothered. I'm already here. I've been dealing with these guys for years. Might as well just give them my investment money. And there you are writing a check to them for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of dollars because of the reduced return you're getting on your mutual fund portfolio because they're selling you their in-house crap when you could have shopped the market and found quality. Mm, and, and then you're not diversified. And then uh, that's where Joe goes and he boils it down every month. And it's always the same ones that seem to be up and near the top, the ones that you like to use over and over again. Yeah, and there's also the other usual suspects right at, at the, the bottom, bottom of the list. <laughs> yeah. And they're the ones that so many people finally resign mm. themselves to the fact, or not resign themselves, finally realize, okay, I'm going to go see him. Uh, and, and you know, it's not a commitment. Uh, I meet with people, we spend an hour, I get some information from them. I bring them back a recommendation. They say, you know what, that sounds good, Joe, let's go ahead and do that. They don't have to do anything. Yeah. Nothing. I do everything. I do all the work. So it's actually very simple. It's not like a big thing where, oh my God, I don't want to do this right now. I'll procrastinate and get to it another year. <laughs> As you lose... Hundreds of thousands, if not exactly. more. 604-603-2336 for Joe Bowen from Hollis Wealth and Money with Joe Bowen here on CKNW News Talk 980. To speak with Joe Bowen in person, call 604-603-2336 or visit joebowen.ca. The well-respected man about town Doing the best thing so listening to Money with Joe Bowen. Once again, here is Peter Shad. When I first met Joe, I thought I would be the genius and I would do all my own investing. And so I got my uh, discount brokerage from one of the, the big institutions and I started buying mutual funds. And it was fun, you know, because you'd think, well, I've got uh, this fund here. It's the China and India fund because it's booming over there. So I got to get some of that. Then over here, I'll get into health and healthcare products. And then I got to get into technology. Then I got into telecom because telecom was big at that time. And then there was a, a South American, uh, you know, fund for the booming Brazilian markets. And you had one look at this dog's breakfast of a statement, you said, you know, there are mutual funds that do all of this without having to do all of that. And I was like, huh? And so uh, you gave me the comparisons. Here's a fund that does all the things you're trying to do, except does it with good things. And then here's yours. And, And it was rather dramatic. And the other problem is that many of the funds that I had invested in were enticing me to invest in them because there was mm-hmm. no fee because it was part of the discount brokerages. Yes. Low fees. Low fees, low funds. Yeah. So diversification is a word. We hear it all the time. And uh, and we think, well, that means you have to go over here and here and here and you have to be spread all the way over there. And sometimes that means you duplicate. Sometimes it means you're in crap. Um, tell us a little bit about diversification and why in a mutual fund so much of that work is taken out of your hands that, that is done for you. 
Well, there's diversification, then there's what you were doing, which I call saturation. And and part of the problem is that we end up becoming sector investors and sector chasers. Mm. And uh, sector rotators, uh, they don't do very well often um, because you have the gold and then the resources and pre- you know the precious metals in general, not just gold. But um, back in the day, we had science and tech funds and then telecom funds, and they started consolidating all those funds. And um, healthcare funds and, you know, an India fund and a China fund. And, a, and you know, those are all little tiny sectors that, well, they're not all tiny, but um, that you are deliberately buying a portion of your assets into that sector. How much do you weight into that sector? Um, and when do you get into it? And when do you get out of it? And all of a sudden you're market timing in the sector and you're moving. It's, and this is, this is part of the problem with people, A, doing what you did, investing their own money, or B, advisors that are trying to do it all and impress their clients. They're not trying to do the best for their clients. They're trying to appear to be doing the best for their clients. Mm. Appear, or sometimes it's ignorance. It's maybe people that don't get that what they're doing for their clients isn't really a good thing. They really think they can pick all the right little sectors. Or they cave to client demands. Uh, perhaps a client says, you know, I thought this would be interesting. Well, we can get you some of that. Well, why didn't you have a conversation with her first? Why don't you have a talk with her about why she already is exposed to that with what she already has? Why do you just right away say, hey, we can do that? Uh, sure, we can, but should we? And so diversification isn't about saturating yourself with all these little things. It's not about, because see, it, it really started back in the days of Sir John Templeton. Templeton Mutual Fund Company had a, a head of the company by which it was named uh, Sir John Templeton, who was knighted by the Queen. That's why I'm saying Sir. Uh, and John Templeton uh, said, look, you have to diversify. You can't just buy U.S. Steel and GE and say you're diversified. <laughs> you need to have more. And he really was the father of mutual funds back in the day. And uh, and so he would spread your money out uh, in a little bit over here and maybe in steel and, and some into, you know, uh, manufactured goods and some in this and some in that and some in alcohol and tobacco or whatever he would do back in the day. Uh, a little bit in Ford, a little bit in Chevy, hedge your bets. Who knows who's <laughs> going to win this war? And uh, he would diversify your money for you and you'd buy his one fund and you'd be far better diversified than anybody else you know. Nowadays, there are so many funds, people think they have to also diversify by fund, and they also have to diversify by fund company, and they have to diversify by manager, and they have to diversify by mutual funds advisor, and next thing you know, they've got five advisors and three banks, and they've got accounts all over the place. Well, you got to understand what diversification really means. What it means is you, like, say you want, like, because you can have dividend investments. Uh, you can have bonds in mutual funds. You can have uh, pure equity. You can have global. You can have local. You can have US. You can have Canada. Me, I like to buy for most of my clients. Uh, I think that this is what's appropriate for most people given today's interest rate environment, the lack of ability to earn a whole lot in bonds and interest sensitive investments. I really believe in big blue chip stocks that bear dividends. I'm a big fan. And even if they don't bear dividends, at least be big and blue chip uh, and global. Shop the world. That's diversification. Dozens and dozens of stocks uh, from all sorts of companies and all sorts of industries and let the managers, the top managers, the financial analysts and their teams decide which stocks to buy, which to sell, how much to hold of each, and when to move them around and weight them in the portfolio. And as long as they're sticking to that mandate and they have a good long past history of doing a good job, 
uh, and you believe they're going to stick to that mandate going forward, you let those fund managers make your diversification decisions for you so you're not constantly guessing and rotating and buying in and out of sectors and losing money in gold and all that other garbage. I know you're not a one-size-fits-all guy, but if you were to look at an average client you know, with a substantial net worth and an investment portfolio with you, how many mutual funds is appropriate generally? Well, let's let's talk about an average client. Sure. In my book of business, uh, most of my clients are 55 to 101. Uh, she'll be 102 in August. Wonderful mm. lady. Mm. Uh, but uh, my average client, let's say they're around 73 or 4, and they have an investment portfolio maybe of a million dollars or more. Uh, and in that portfolio, we might have... Uh, four funds consisting of a couple of global dividend funds, a uh, global equity fund, uh, a more localized North American dividend fund, and those will hold maybe two or three hundred different stocks inside them. Wow. That is quite diversified. Mm. And if somebody is giving you 48 mutual funds, you're making a mistake. You've got a ton of overlap and saturation and companies working against one another. They don't have positive, they, you know, they don't have the right type of correlation against one another. Uh, back in the day, there were these two funds that used to have great negative correlation and it would smooth out the the, the jumps, uh, ups and downs in the market. Uh, we don't really have that as much anymore, but you, you, you got to you got to understand what you're doing and why, and you need to hire somebody who knows how to make those decisions for you and isn't trying to do what they think you want to see, giving you what you need. I know somebody. 604-603-2336, 604-603-2336. That's you, Joe, by the way. Oh, that is me. Joe Bowen, B-O-W-E-N dot C-A, and we'll wrap up the show in just a second here on CKNW News Talk 980. <laughs> Joe Bowen with Hollis Wealth at 604-603-2336 or joebowen.ca. The well-respected man about town, doing the best thing so conservatively. You're listening to Money with Joe Bowen. Once again, here is Peter Shad. Before we wrap things up here, can I just tell you how much I enjoyed The Revenant? I know it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, I saw it in a theater at the Scotiabank on Broadway or on uh, Burrard, and uh, it is a visual masterpiece with a lot of violence. Yeah, but it is an exhausting two and a half hour epic story, and uh, I I don't know. I think you might like it. I don't know if uh, I've heard some girls don't like it. Yeah, I've heard. uh, You know, all the negative press I've heard is from females about it. I don't think it appeals. um, But men who and some women love it, of course, obviously. I don't mean to, you know, uh, but I've heard that guys who love that kind of thing think this is the best of that kind of thing. Yes. Um, Like Legends of the Fall. But Legends of the Fall was great for men or women. That Mm. was an epic adventure. That was one of the most legendary movies ever made, in my opinion. That was a modern day. Uh, Gone with the Wind, that movie. It's the violence, I think, that might uh, put people Irrevenant. off. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it, yeah. I mean, there are scenes you have to look away, and I mean, you are crawling every inch with poor Leonardo DiCaprio there. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw Isn't that out he great? there. He is amazing. And so was Matt Damon in The Martian. That was another yeah, I heard that fabulous I movie. Oh, yeah. that's another one. And if it's still in the theater, go see it in the theater because it's something else. Anyway, it's just a little uh, something for me to you. All right, let's finish things up. And today is our special on mutual funds. What about saving for retirement through mutual funds? And maybe having some in an RRSP, maybe some in your tax-free savings account, maybe some in your non-registered account. Are there pros? Are there cons? 
Talk us through, you know, when, where, and how when you're looking for retirement savings. Well, usually for most people, the front of the line is the RSP. That's the one they're most used to. And I'll, and, and I'll tell you right now from my experience and all the people I've met, the vast majority of investors will have an RSP account and none of the others. Uh, then the TFSA came along and some of them started buying into TFSAs as well as their RSP. And then clients who are a little wealthier and have a little more money lying around, or no, I shouldn't say lying around, will have non-registered investment accounts, which just means it's not an RSP or TFSA. It's just investments. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's pros and cons, though. Like the RSP, for instance, isn't always the right thing for you. Uh, most uh, of the clients I've met uh, before they met me were all buying RSPs every year. Um, and I've met a lot of people who, like here's a for instance, you worked at a company for 25 years. You have a pension. You've left the company. So you're 50 years old. You've left the company. You have a pension that will be coming later on that will start in, a, in several years, and you'll start receiving that income. In the meantime, you're working at a, at a pared-down sort of job. You're not making $108,000 a year anymore. You're now making about forty, dollars um, but your retirement income is going to be quite substantial. It's going to be $55,000 from your pension and another $15,000 mm. or, or more, seventeen dollars or $18,000 from your uh, CPP and your OAS. Um, so you're at almost $70,000 a year in retirement in taxable income. And you have RSPs saved up. Uh, so you're pushing eighty or $90,000 a year in retirement income. And then you come to me and you say, hey, uh, I'm going to be retiring in a few years. Uh, and I wonder if I should buy some RSPs right now. And I look at your tax bracket. And right now you're in a 29.7% tax bracket. And I know in retirement you're going to be in 40 because of all this money you're earning. I might say no. No, it's not a good time to buy RSPs because you're going to buy and get a tax deduction of 30 only to give the government more than that back when you take it back out again. Mm. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you deliberately give them that 10% spread? You know, if tax brackets stay with they, as they are uh, and they only look like they're getting worse right now. Again, they were getting a lot better previously. Uh, so that is um, a time when maybe RSPs aren't suitable because yeah. they're not always the right thing to do. And of course, you will have mutual funds that are a little on the higher risk tolerance side. Should those be the ones you put then in your tax-free savings account? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Uh, tax-free savings account is underutilized by most people because they were encouraged by their bank to buy them from the bank uh, with bank advertising on TV. They are named TFSA instead of TFIA, which means tax-free savings account instead of tax-free investment account. So that misnomer has people thinking that this account is for savings, uh, for savings accounts. They put their money in there. They're making half a percent, one percent, maybe two percent if they're lucky. And that just doesn't cut it. The, the whole benefit of that account is that you never, ever, ever pay tax on the growth in the account. So what do you want to take that little shelter? Say the TFSA was a little invisible cloak. You could pull over some of your investments and they'd never pay tax. Do you throw that cloak over your investments that are costing you $1,000 a year in tax problems? Or do you throw that cloak over the same amount of investments that are causing you $20,000 in annual tax problems? Obviously over the one that caused you the biggest tax burden, yet... Most people use them for really low interest accounts, and that's a big, big mistake. Well, I think we learned something new today, I hope, at least. That was the whole point of the program. And if you're ready to make a change and get into the very, very best that's available in the mutual fund market and get holistic advice in other areas of your financial advice from somebody who's not captive to any one company, then here's the telephone number I'd suggest humbly. 
604-603-2336. What a great time to tidy things up and start anew. Springtime, 604-603-2336 or joebowen, B-O-W-E-N dot C-A. Enjoy a nice long evening. Hey, and drive in the right lane when you're on the highway unless you're passing. <laughs> Let Joe Bowen help you prepare for your post-working years at 604-603-2336. This radio show was prepared by Joe Bowen, who is a registered mutual fund representative with Hollis Wealth Advisory Services, Inc., a subsidiary of the Bank of Nova Scotia. This radio show is not an official program of Hollis Wealth. The views, including any recommendations expressed during the show, are those of Joe Bowen alone and are not endorsed or approved by Hollis Wealth or the Bank of Nova Scotia. Hollis Wealth is a trade name of Hollis Wealth Advisory Services, Inc. and Hollis Wealth Insurance Agency Limited. Mutual fund products are provided by Hollis Wealth Advisory Services, Inc. Insurance products by Hollis Wealth are provided through Hollis Wealth Insurance Agency Limited. Trademark of the Bank of Nova Scotia, used under license. This episode of Money with Joe Bowen is sponsored in part by Fidelity Investments.